We learned just after our show that an arrest has been made in the stabbing, the fatal stabbing of a 14-year-old girl in downtown Winnipeg on Friday. But during our show, we had some questions that came out of what the chief of police had to say on Monday. The Christmas cheer board needs more help calling for volunteers to deliver hampers. If you need some last-minute gift ideas, we spoke with Wade Miller from the Winnipeg Blue Bombers on stuff they've got at the bomber store. And we spoke with a local company called Glass Jar Games, a couple of guys who decided we're going to make our own games. And inspired by a BC woman who got a nasty note from one of her neighbors about her Christmas lights, what's the best or worst note you've ever given or received? I'm Brett McGarry, alongside Greg Mackling and Loren McNabb. We are Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. And this is the Tuesday, December 19th podcast for The Start. It is Mackling, McGarry, McNabb, producer Jeff Forte, and Master Control. And as we continue the final push towards Christmas... There's going to be a push to help all kinds of organizations with the various things they need, such as our friends at the Christmas Cheer Board, GMAC. Yeah, Saturday night out uh, celebrating a good friend's birthday and sitting around. And uh, one of my good friends, Sherry, said, hey, Greg, do you know you guys have the Christmas Cheer Board on quite frequently? Do they need any more volunteers? I'd like to make myself available this week. I said, I don't know, Sherry. Let me reach out to Shauna Bell. So we texted her. She's a loyal listener to our program as well. And Loren Shauna says, you bet we need volunteers, about 4,000 of them this week. Yeah, so Shauna's going to join us just after 7 to walk us through how you can help. This is something that our family tries to do with the cheer board. If we don't do it every year, it's every other. But there's different hamper initiatives we get involved with. And the delivery is is the fun part, right? You're handing over the goods to people in need and it's really a special thing to be part of. And so we'll explain to you after seven how you can do that. They have a couple of different hours throughout the rest of the week. But last year at this time, when they put out to the goal, put out the call to volunteers, our listeners really responded mm-hmm. by the hundreds. So let's see if we can do that again. And you know, what's, what's, what's neat about it is that, you know, it's not like every family is applauding you as you hand over that hype hamper. It's difficult to put up your hand and say, I need some help with food or clothing or gifts for my kids, right? So some people quietly take the hamper. Some people have a conversation. Some people wave excitedly from the window. The point being that everyone has a different need and is, and is addressing it in a different headspace, but you're there for them. And it's simple. You pick up the hampers and you drop them off. Couldn't get easier to volunteer than that. All right. So we'll learn more about that at 7.05 and how you can help uh, the Christmas cheer board. Also, today we have to, and we'll get more into this in our next segment, Greg, but uh, tough, tough night in the end for the Winnipeg Jets. Ultimately, but lots of positives again for the Jets last night as they hosted the Montreal Canadiens. Lots of Habs fans, of course, in the building last night, but the Jets came back from nothing deficit last night to force overtime, not to give too much away in case you don't know. But yeah, uh, you know, again, 20th consecutive game where they've surrendered three or fewer goals in a game. And that's impressive. You know, when you do the math on that, to be able to do that for the equivalent of a quarter season, it uh, just means your team's playing very well defensively. So we'll, we'll uh, point out some of the negatives and draw on the positives as well. The sounds of the game are standing by. They're in the, uh, the, the, the um, uh, shall we say, the bullpen. Right Can now, I say to, what I thought was so cool use last night? a mixed analogy. What's that? Sorry, Greg. What I thought was so cool last night was 
the Barron brothers playing against one another. Well, and I, and well, I, and I, you got Morgan Barron, of course, on the Jets and Justin on the Canadians and, um, a couple of different shifts they're off against each other. And I thought, how cool is that? And once again, my mind went to the parents of those kids who are never their siblings in a sports sure. team. You think, how do you, how do you watch your kids play against each other? And man, they were each, uh, Going for it. So I thought that was pretty neat. Yeah. Well, one of the brothers uh, most definitely uh, gets the last laugh. Oh, yeah. Last I just, night. I, all I could think is, I wonder what that, you know, what, what text exchange occurs <laughs> after you just beat your brother. What do you say? Uh, I'd love to know. Well, that actually kind of ties into what we're going to be doing at 645 on the subject of nasty notes. Because we uh, learned recently through Global News that there's a woman in B.C., in Souk, B.C., who likes to go all out. And I think we all have a a house in mind that we can think of that that has gone all out in the past. And I I think it's cool. I mean, I've never had one right across the street, so I often wonder, what is it like to live across the street from a home like that? But... Anytime I see a home like that, I think that's great. Like, good for you for putting in that effort. I have no idea where you keep all that stuff. And I have no idea what your hydro bill is. But it's cool. But this woman in BC gets a note from one of her neighbors telling her to tone it down. Yeah. And uh, we'll get a bit more into it at 645. But, uh, yeah, the nasty note for a chance to win tickets for AEW All Elite Wrestling. What are your What are your thoughts, Greg, on the, the 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 houses that really go all in? I love I love all the lights, and you know some of them are sort of ridiculous, but doesn't bother me. If you want to celebrate Christmas in this fashion by putting a dozen or more inflatable animals and characters that represent Christmas to you, by all means, go for it. But <laughs> it's so funny that we're talking about this because it it reminds me. Uh, Loren of a year that um, uh, how do I phrase this just uh, delicately the the person I was dating at the time her neighbor across the street had this Santa Claus it was about 13 feet tall inflated and its arm had sort of it didn't have an actual bell but it was a mechanized and it would move forward and backward but it did have a speaker on it and it went ho 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 <laughs> ho ho Oh, and they yeah. left this thing on like all night, every night for the entire month of December. Oh, no. Oh, oh, oh. I oh. think it's fair to be Eventually, like somebody went yes. and stuffed some snow in that speaker. Yes. I'm not going to say like, who did it, but. <laughs> I, I, like, I think I have no issue with this, but I've never been across a home. That, so if you want, you can go to uh, Nasty Letter Won't Deter BC Woman from Huge Holiday Display. That's the headline at globalnews.ca, cgob.com. You can see what she's got. It's not just light. It's a bunch of different figurines and and all the rest. But it's, co- it's cool in my mind. If I was across the street from that, I'd just close your blinds if it's the light that bothers you. I wonder if some of it might be the traffic that it could potentially draw. You know, if there's a house on your street that has a great display, odds are it might be part of a routine for people to spin by. And take a look at the holiday lights. Maybe that's what's bugging you in terms of a traffic concern. Yeah. But it's it's such a short lived time of the year. I don't know. I, I I certainly couldn't imagine leaving a nasty note. I could imagine knocking on the door saying, "Hey, can we come up with a compromise?" If it was really bugging someone, but a nasty note. Yeah, and, it, and you, it the the note is is featured in the story. If you want to see it, it's brutal. But we'll share some of that story at six forty five. Nice printing though. 
<laughs> Fair and well, well written, I suppose. <laughs> Right now, though, we want to talk more about how we've learned more about a deadly stabbing that claimed the life of a teenage girl in downtown Winnipeg. Yeah, deep sigh here. Uh, it happened on Friday afternoon, broad daylight, and the 14-year-old victim later died in hospital despite the efforts of police to save her life. Global's Iris Dick has this report. We know the victim was with a group of other young people shortly before she was attacked. One of the young people she was with suddenly turned on her and stabbed her. The victim, a 14-year-old girl, was stabbed on Graham Avenue Friday afternoon. Officers are now searching for the group she's believed to have been with who fled the scene. We are currently looking for a male suspect and two other young female witnesses that the victim was with before the attack. Police say foot patrol officers gave her emergency care inside the nearby Cargill building, but she died of her injuries later that day. Police did not name the victim, but said she'd been the subject of missing persons reports in the past, but she was not reported missing at the time of the attack. That's really important to to ensuring that people are, um, they're notified, and they're notified too in a good way, and and not finding out, um, you know, secondhand. Heidi Spence is the director of MKO's Missing and Murdered Indigenous Women and Girls Liaison Unit. MKO is supporting a vigil for the victim Monday night. Having that support... Um, during difficult times is, is really important, you know, and we don't want people to feel isolated or, or kind of feel lost. Spence adds MKO and other organizations will be offering support and resources to anyone affected by the teen's death. Winnipeg police say they're still investigating, and anyone with information is asked to contact the Homicide Unit or Crime Stoppers. Iris Dick, Global News. So, of course, right now there's a lot of focus on the suspect and the people that were with them, the person who pulled out the knife. And then once they're found, questions on how and why can be asked. I'm wondering if they'll be answered. You know, how will a spin through our justice system work for this person? If they're a youth, how much time will they see? Is that necessary? Where's the punishment? Will there be reform? Will there be change? Will be there help? Will this person be someone just emerges years later doing more harm than good? And then, man, there's this young victim. I mean, she's 14. And police said she'd been reported missing a number of times in the past, although she wasn't considered missing at the time of the stabbing. What was going on with her care? Who's going to speak up? Who's going to speak out for her? And I know we're all bothered by this story on many levels. And I suppose if there's solace to be taken, and it's not really solace, it was hearing that she didn't die alone. You know, police said officers were on the scene, did work to try to treat her before ambulance arrived and then one of the officers even hopped into that ambulance to go to hospital with her waited in surgery for her before learning she passed and I I take some comfort in knowing that that this kid this kid wasn't alone Greg but I think in everything else I just feel tremendous sadness and it feels like that sort of cyclical thing that you know once twice a year there's a story like this in our city and then next year there's another one and I'm tired of that yeah, I'm tired of it too. I'm kind of torn on the idea, regardless of the age of a suspect in something like this, should the public not know uh, that the police are looking for this individual, if they have a name, if they know who they're looking for, regardless of what side of the uh, age of majority they fall on. I, I'm, I'm battling that. And I'm also, maybe you guys can help me with this one. I, I'm... Uncomfortable with the 
with this inclusion of this fact that that this young this this girl this young woman was known to police because she'd been reported missing in the past does, does that work to diminish the value of this individual's life does that diminish this crime in some people's mind I, i'm trying to figure out why or if that information was important to be released yesterday i'm just trying to help me help me sort that out it adds this for sure um, a storyline that some might create as to, oh, okay, so missing potentially system involvement, what does that say? On the other hand, it might highlight the fact that if we, what we learn about where this person was at in their life and who they were, we're not in care with what's going on again, potentially with possible failures. And that's important too. But, but I hear you in the idea that once we have layers of description to certain things, I think people go, okay, that's the story there. Goodbye. Yeah, and doesn't impact me. doesn't impact me the same way, right? I don't know. I, I just uh, I, I find that that we're in this situation. So much of it uh, based on working very hard in our own minds to decide what impacts us and what doesn't. And I think that's why this crime situation, addiction situation, has has overtaken a large part of our city. Is because for so long we were working hard to diminish the circumstance, the geography. And I've said this time and time again, I, I think far too often we, we listen for the address of, of, these, of these situations, of these acts, and we go, oh yeah, that's, yep, that's okay. It's not down the road for me. So I take a sigh of relief and I move on with my day. And I think that's just a dangerous thing way we've been handling what i don't what i question is you know when you, when you talk about it not being random because the group were clearly together and didn't know each other when you remove the word random you also have people say okay then i don't have to worry right but it's still a young girl suddenly a f- altercation breaks out turned on her suddenly the guy has a weapon why and there, ha- i still can't figure out why there aren't people who have their mate unless they have who have come forward because that is such a busy street. It's a, it's a bus corridor. And so just because they turned on each other doesn't mean there aren't other victims who saw it, other victims who might have helped out. By victim, I mean they'll never forget what they saw. And so the, the I know we use random so that we can tell people about where or where or not they need to be watching behaviors, but man, I don't like that either. It's Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. There is a tremendous story out of Souk, B.C. from a couple of days ago. A woman named Cheryl Dintz likes to go all out with her Christmas decorations on her house, but she got a nasty note in the mail. Let's get a bit more from Global's Kylie Stanton. Yeah, it's a bit of a shock to get. Earlier this week, Dintz received this letter in the mail. Disappointing. Not your average Christmas card. It says, why don't you give our neighborhood a break? Haven't you ever heard that less is more? It shocked me, put a little bit of scare into me, um, wondered what kind of person could do this. With every line, the message becomes even more concerning. Your house is the joke of the neighborhood. Followed by a couple of other things we won't be repeating here. And if you want to see the full story and see the full note, you can see it at globalnews.ca. The headline is, Tone it down, nasty letter won't deter BC woman from huge holiday display. And she goes on to explain that she's finding putting up the lights therapeutic 
this year in particular because her son died in September. So yet another reason to think about the things you say to people. So for a chance to win tickets to see AEW All Elite Wrestling, we want to hear from you. What's the best or worst note you've ever received or perhaps ever given? Loren McNabb, why don't we start with you? Well, I've actually decided one of my New Year's resolutions is going to be to send more cards and letters and notes because it's such a treat to hear from people. And it's just in the last couple of weeks, you know, when the cards are coming in and photos of different families, which I don't send out, but I love so much that I thought I should do this more because it doesn't have to be big. It doesn't have to be major. It just feels good to have a couple of handwritten words to you, uh, particularly from loved ones in their writings. And one of the reasons why I decided to do this is because of a note left by my sister. Uh, she's so great for carrying all sorts of cards with her. So when she comes for a visit, for example, she'll often leave a little note in the spare room, just thanking you for the stay or thanking you for this or that. When she's on a trip, she sends postcards still. But one of the coolest things she did for me, and it just, it's like, you know, how sometimes people in your life just know what you need and it doesn't always have to be much. She came for a visit. Um, well, I can't remember when it was, but it was in the last year. And she left on my mirror just with a piece of loose leaf taped to it. A note that said, you are amazing. You've got this. And I kept that loose leaf taped up for like, well, for months, for months and months and months until it became moldy and needed to be taken down. And it was just six words, five words. And it's one of the nicest things that has been left for me so that I've now, I've done that a couple of times with different folks when I've stayed. Just a little message that gets left. I don't know if they toss it or keep it, but it's almost like a little mantra that you see in the morning and you get up and you read it. And that note meant a lot. She nailed it. Not that I'm amazing, that I needed to hear it, is what I... <laughs> yeah, I needed to hear it. On that day, she just somehow knew, is my point. Well, that's great, Lauren. Uh, and you are amazing. Uh, Sarah, why don't we go to you next? So mine, it was the best in one way. But it wasn't like as nasty as this lady's letter in the story. But I'm leaving for work at like 3.45. Um, and then I see there's like a little like just post-it note like on my door. And I'm like, oh, what is this? Obviously not from the landlord because they usually like stick it into your door like a larger paper. So it's from someone else, obviously. And it says like, could you keep your dogs down? Quiet your dogs down. Do I have a dog? Have I ever mentioned I own a dog? And let alone plural dogs. (laughs) So this person obviously was hearing dogs barking or something. Uh But yeah, so they were just saying, like, can you keep it down like your dogs? And so I was very confused. And to this day, I have no idea who... Who left are, it? And I don't dogs know how on to. Your floor? Oh, like, for there... sure, it's a dog-friendly okay. building, so like you're yeah. gonna hear some barking like once in a while. But I've never like had the urge to complain about you, it because it's. Do you a... hear? Not really. Barking. <laughs> so I don't know. I, it was very confusing, especially at three forty-five. Do you bark in your sleep? I not that I'm aware of. <laughs> <laughs> so it was a confusing <laughs> note to get. Oh. I still don't know. That's a good follow-up for Jay right there. Good follow-up. Cam Poitras. Well, you know, I I find if you ever, like, get a note left on your windshield, it's usually somebody's being very, very passive-aggressive. This happened actually last week. Um, In my – at my building, uh, it has a a, uh, parking lot in the back, and it's very tight. You know, they're trying to cram a lot of places in there. It's a very, very tight space to park your vehicle. Well, these two trucks just decided that they were like just appeared out of nowhere uh, just as the winter uh, season started coming in and they started parking next to me. Now, 
These trucks have are interchanging all the time. So these two people, I think, are in some sort of rela- relationship, and they have these two spots, and they just interchange. Well, they're big trucks. And on the other side of my little Corolla is a big Astro van. So sometimes they're a little bit more on to on my side or a little on the other. And so I can't always consistently park right in the middle because of how tight the spots are. Well, this person left me a note, and it wasn't even for them. It was for their partner they specified. Can you please make sure that you park your car right in the center? Uh, my partner is having difficulty sometimes getting into their vehicle. Your cooperation would be appreciated from now on. It was the most <laughs> passive-aggressive note I ever had ripped it up, threw it into the garbage, and I'm, I'm not listening to this person. And then just moved on with my day. <laughs> Screw you. That's way better. I got one in the parkade that said, quit being an a-hole. <gasps> it's, it's, it's with like, the way you park, and I looked, I got oh. out, and I was like, I am being an a-hole it's not, today. <laughs> but it's not, it's not always my fault. I try to be as, mm-hmm. as courteous to those around me, yeah. but sometimes these other vehicles are a lot closer, so I have to, I have to you know, find a way that I can. So it's, it's a tight parking lot. Sometimes it's going to be difficult to get in your car. I have to deal with it. So get a life, lady. You are paying the price for somebody else's pig parking ways. Mm-hmm. Yes. Taking up more than their fair share of the spot. And now it's a cascading ramification of parking. That's right. Um, oh, I almost said the F word there. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm the little Corolla. There's the two big trucks and there's the and there's the big van. Who, who's, who's really to blame here in this situation? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Too much vehicle for their space. So take that note you sent me, lady. And- <laughs> uh, Forte? I have underground parking at my apartment block. And uh, to get there, you have to go through a stairwell. Well, there was this time where it happened like for a month straight where there's mud clumps, like somebody's not cleaning off their boots. And I guess somebody else got mad and left a note right on the door of uh, the stairwell saying, like, basically, I can't repeat like what was on the note because it's filled with F-bombs. But it was basically like, hey, idiot with boots. Why don't you clean off your boots? There's mud all over the staircase. You're a pig. Like, it was just like, it was like a harsh, harsh note. Sounds like the truth. Well, yeah, well, (laughs) but I was like, I wonder how long this note's going to stay up there for. It stayed up there for at least like two weeks. So this person had to walk past it a bunch of times, but. uh, You know what I'm realizing? That there's no in-between notes. A note is either really, really mean or really, really nice. Well, there's no no middle-of-the-road notes. Well, because in order for you to go to that action of breaking out the pen and paper and sticking it up or putting it in the mail, you either have to be incredibly impressed or incredibly angry. Yeah. One or the other. I want to know, did the mud stop? Oh, yeah, it stopped. Well, there you go. Good, good, good note. (laughs) Good note, then. Uh, 204-780-6868. The best or worst note you've ever given or received for a chance to win tickets to see... AEW, All Elite Wrestling, coming to Canada Life Center on April 10th. We'll pick our winner just after 9.15. It is Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. Before we get into our next segment here, we are asking you to tell us about the best or worst note you've ever received or given and, Loren, this one takes us to a Starbucks. Marcia says Starbucks on Regent used to have this jar of happiness where you could pick or leave a note for a stranger. Marcia says, I loved it. 
she still has the note from 2020 that she's kept, and it reads, You're doing great. Keep it up. Fight. It's a new year, so bring it on. You got this. I think that's kind of a cool idea. Yeah, why not? That's cool. If you need to pick me up or you want to maybe give somebody a pick me up, that's a cool story. So keep those coming for a chance to win AEW tickets. All Elite Wrestling coming to Canada Life Center on April 10th. We'll pick our winner just after 9.15. Right now, though, if you've got a car and a couple hours to spare, this next gig is made for you. Yeah, that's pretty much all you need. You might need to prove your license. And, and beyond that, you can help out the folks at the cheer board. Get the remaining hampers out the door and into the homes of Manitobans looking for a few extra reasons to smile this Christmas. Shauna Bell is the executive director of the Christmas Cheer Board of Winnipeg and joins us now. Good morning, Shauna. Good morning, folks. How's it going? We're great. I know that the need has been great as well this year. And so tell us about how many hampers were made and how many still need to be delivered. Well, we're creeping up on almost 20,000 hamper requests for the season now. So that's incredible we had figured we'd be around 19 so we're exceeding that by a lot uh, there's still a lot of hampers in the warehouse right now we've got roughly 4,500 that have to go out the door by delivery before the end of this week so it's a it's a fair bit but it's 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 doable every year it, the city amazes me on what they do to okay. help us out okay sean it's greg here so this yeah. time last year you jumped on the air with us yeah. and said hey we need some peeps to deliver these remaining hampers and we know that Winnipegers, Manitobans stepped up big time. So just give us an idea of the amount of time and the obligation here, because sometimes people imagine that it's a you know an entire day out of their life to to do this. No, we make it. We hope we make it super easy for folks. We, as Brett mentioned, about a couple hours of your time is really all you need to do. Uh, you just come to the warehouse and show us your license, and we're going to set you up with a package full of about four to five hampers. And they're usually in the same, within the same few block area. So it's really pretty quick and efficient to drop them off. You make a call to the household, make sure they're there before you drop them off. And then if, you're, if you finish them all, you just have to email us and let us know that you're done. Pretty easy. Hey, it's Brett here, Shauna. Do you, wondering if you, do you have any regulars, like maybe people who come out every day to volunteer a couple hours? Uh, there's an amazing man named Marcel who's been in pretty much every day and he comes by himself and he's been working hard for us. And there's so many other familiar faces that I see. And it's, it, it, it's amazing when we see how this community rises up to work together. I mentioned earlier, Sean, last year around this time, we put out the call on CGOB. At that time you had about 6,000 hampers and just a couple of days to go. And I think in the same day, you, you were done getting them out the door because people responded and lined up. So again, it's about 4,000 that need to go out. And could that all be done in one day? It could Do- be. Um, I, I don't I don't love the idea of having a whole <laughs> lineup of people. I'm telling you that because it's. Uh, I don't ever want to make people wait to help us. So, but, you know, if we can get it done in a couple days, that's, that's fantastic. As long To me, as long as it's done by Friday, that's going to put everybody's minds at rest. Shauna, we've had the conversation over the last uh, several weeks about thinking about maybe outside the box with regard to donations of toys in particular and, and thinking about the, the teenagers and the, you know, the older kids that might be involved. Have uh, we filled that need or is there still a specific need maybe where you, where you need a gift or, or two in, in a certain demographic? We're still looking for actually the 10 to 12 year old uh, gifts. Those seem to be our biggest need this year. So if there's anyone out there that has 
thoughts that they might like to drop off a gift, we're happy to receive. And what would that kind of gift be like for, for a 10 to 12-year-old? You know, board games are really great. There's a lot of uh, the science, technology, and, and math stuff that really sort of hits home for kids. Uh, books are always fantastic, too. I just think, you know, it's, it's thinking about um, if you have kids in your life, uh, quiz them on what they might be interested in because they, they tend to have some pretty good feedback, too. I have a kid in that category. 97 mini sticks is the answer. 97 <laughs> of them, Shauna. But even just one would do, I'm sure. I want to touch on just about the idea that as is, is people maybe come out to help out today, what they need to consider, too, about, you know, the delivery is, is a special thing to do, and it's great to be a part of it. Not everyone on the other end is is greeting you with applause no. Beyond, you know, it, because it's a difficult time for them. And so each family might react differently to that delivery because they're grateful, filled with gratitude, I know. But it's not simple to, to stand there and accept that always. No, and that is very true, Loren. Folks um, folks are in different uh, places in their lives. And, and you know, to me, the, the hampers, if they help out a little bit, then that goes a long way. And But folks just, yeah, they need to be prepared that not everybody's going to greet them with open arms. All right, Shauna, where, who are we calling? Where are we going? Give us some details here and uh, some some time constraints as well. So 895 Century Street is where you come. We're open uh, 9 a.m. till 8 p.m. Monday through Friday. And we'll be open on Saturday until 4 p.m. as well. Christmas Eve, we're open, but we're just doing pickups on Christmas Eve until 2 p.m. Come on down and come see us. Oh, and I forgot to mention to you guys, we received another 200 uh, toys and another almost 200 food items, items from St. Patel. So that's all stemming from the Christmas miracle and from the amazing help that you guys gave us this year. Well, Shauna, thank you so much for joining us this morning to give us a heads up on this. And hopefully we get those hampers out the door. Uh, Merry Christmas to you. Merry Christmas, you guys. Happiest of holidays. I hope you have an enjoyable time with your family. Shauna Bell, Executive Director of the Christmas Cheer Board of Winnipeg. And on the subject of those the, those like science-type gifts for the 10- to 12-year-olds, I'm just thinking, we've got a lot of great toy stores in the city, but Toad Hall, oh, yeah. which is right down here, they've got this amazing section in, towards the back of the store of science stuff and models and all. Like, I, <laughs> when I go into Toad Hall... I have to restrain myself from buying it all for myself because I want to take it home and play with it. They've got so much neat stuff in there. So if you're looking for some great gift ideas for that age bracket, that's a great place to check out. I like and the way brain benders or whatever they're called. You know those brain teasers, those little toys you get? Yeah. You have to like take apart. And I think every Christmas I've wanted to take a welding torch to them and... <laughs> <laughs> I, I bought one once for my my friend's kid Elliot, who was yeah. a, a cube master. He was like okay. a Rubik's cube master, and all the all the cubes, like the, even the five sided ones or whatever, not the three. And I, I gave him one of those little things. He took it to his bedroom, and within two minutes, he no. threw it. He threw it against the wall in disgust, oh, good. and came storming oh. out of the bedroom. He was because so he mad. couldn't solve it. Because he couldn't oh. solve it right away, and then he gave it to me, and I solved it. Oh, well, look at done. you! Yeah, take you that. wore that all day. Take hey? that, ten you ten year old <laughs> in your face. <laughs> It is time for Breakfast with the Bombers, brought to you by cooperators investing in your future together. Now, last night, pending Blue Bomber free agent running back Brady Oliveira was dressed in his Winnipeg Best at Canada Life Centre. 
What's up, Jet fans? This is running back Brady Oliveira for your Winnipeg Blue Bombers. I'm stoked to be at the game tonight. The boys are rolling. We got a big one against the Habs. And one thing that I know is Winnipeg has the best sports fans in the country. So, uh, you know, go Blue, go Jets, go, and get another win tonight, fellas. I love when the Blue Bombers are at the Jets games and vice versa. Brady in a heritage blue Kyle Connor jersey looking as good as uh, he was downtown supporting his hometown hockey team. Of course, Blue Bomber fans are anxiously awaiting news on Brady's football future. One of the key cogs on the Blue Bomber offensive line, veteran all-star Pat Newfeld, part of the offensive line that helped Brady Oliveira rush for a league-best 1,534 yards this past season and helping him earn his first rushing title, signed with the Blue and Gold yesterday. I've said it many times, I don't want to play anywhere else. So as soon as I could, I got things going on, on a contract and, and glad we got it hammered out relatively quickly before Christmas here. Up until this last off season, basically every contract was a year-by-year year deal anyway. So I've just been doing that, and so far so good. It's been working, so if it's not broke, don't have to fix it. So another veteran signed. We've got more to go. Pat Newfield clearly not shopping for a new team, but there might be some of us who want to shop for our team's gear as gifts, maybe for ourselves or others at this time of Christmas. We're joined now by Wade Miller, president and CEO of the Winnipeg Football Club. Good morning, Wade. Good morning, guys. Curious uh, how the inventory is holding up. Every time I'm in there, it's like you have something new and neat to to sell to your fans. Lots of options. How are things going for for sales this Christmas? Uh, they're going really well, and you know we've got the Bomber store at IG Field, and then uh, our uh, pop up store over at St. Tom Mall. So both are going real well. Um, you know, come in, get your gifts, and uh, also we have ticket vouchers too, so you could buy you know a pair of tickets to put in the stocking as well. Which uh, you know, so for those hard to hard to get uh, people, ticket vouchers for next year. Well, and one of the cool things that I always find when I go to the bomber store, Wade, is like yeah, then Loren referenced this. It's the 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 new items, and I'm I'm wondering how challenging is it to constantly having to be not just refreshing your inventory and refreshing what you're doing, but coming up with different things. Like, for example, when you hosted the the Bomber Fan Appreciation Day, you walked by me and you were wearing a really cool golf shirt with a funky pattern on it, uh, which was looked fantastic. But like having to constantly think of these new things uh, with the Bomber logo on it, it's got to be a creative nightmare. Well, we a, first we got great suppliers like New Era and Level, Level Wear that come up with those and and we got a great team that uh, has that passion for uh, coming up with what the next uh, the next item is. You know, if you would have told me uh, two year eighteen months ago we'd sell all these gold chains, uh, you know, that people wear around <laughs> their necks, and you know, when you saw those, you're like, really? And you know, so you know, those they're, cool, they're on trend and they know what's uh, popular, and um, you know, and that shirt looked good because I was wearing it. But thank you for saying. <laughs> <laughs> it did. It's always the model, right? That uh, takes it over <laughs> over the top. Wade, how how heartening is it? Everywhere I go, you know, I will bump into people with with blue bomber merchandise on, and and it's also like it's almost like the motorcycle drivers that wave to each other. You know, there's always that acknowledgement. I'll be going down the escalator here at Portage in Maine, and somebody will be coming up with uh, blue bomber merch and always got to say something to them. It, it really helps build that brand loyalty and loyalty to the team in my mind and creates a bond within the community and the fans. 
No, it sure does. And, and you're right. Uh, you know, it, it, this started in 2018 and it's just really exploded since. And the amount of bomber gear that's everywhere in the city is, is massive. And even in the middle of winter, you still see it everywhere. And, uh, you know, it's, it's impressive to see and, and just continues to grow. And we've seen that again, this, this holiday season and, you know, um, getting, uh, you know, Pat Newfeld back is, is great as well. Um, you know, just quickly on that, he was the first player that we traded for in 2013. Um, and he's been with us that long. So he's been through this entire journey and, uh, you know, makes Winnipeg his home with his, with his wife and, and newborn baby now. So it's great to have guys like that back. And when you get that stability and you get those players, fans feel comfortable going in and buying the jerseys with the names on the back. Right. Um, and that's what we're building here. And you're starting to see it in the community as well with what you talk about with everybody, you know, repping their bomber gear. Well, it's the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, but there's fans all over the province and country, as Greg referenced. And one of our listeners, Wade, uh, is Dan. And he just texted to say, ask Wade, he should have a pop-up store in Brandon. Do you have them elsewhere outside of Winnipeg? Uh, we've done those in the past. We're not uh, going out there this year for the pop-up store, but we've done last couple of years we've been out there. So, uh, you know, um, but you can order online and, and we'll get that product to you. Do you sell visors? We just had one of our listeners also asking about uh, bomber visors. Yeah, if you've ever seen me in a hat, I, I should never wear hats and I always wear visors. So absolutely there's visors in that store for sure. So, and that's one thing I push for every year is a couple different visors so I can, you know, <clears throat> look cool on the golf course. But no, there's a couple <laughs> visors for sure. All right, Wade, uh, tell your team and those uh, suppliers are doing a great job. And I uh, love the, uh, some of the mashups and the collaborations you've done with local suppliers and manufacturers as well. Uh, Brett and I are a huge you know, fan of what you did with Zooek back uh, a couple of years ago. So uh, more of that stuff, please, and thanks. Okay, and uh, this is probably our last uh, you know, uh, uh, conversation in the morning for you know, the 2023. So uh, you know, wish you guys a happy holidays and a great new year. And, um, you know, we sure enjoy our, our uh, partnership with CJOB and getting the opportunity to talk to you guys every every uh, Tuesday morning and and having you guys at uh, each game is, is special and, and something we're proud to have you part of the Winnipeg Football Club family. Well, thank you very much, Wade. We're, we're, we're recording this, we're marking this, transcribing it, and we're going to make it uh, into a poster. We appreciate you. <laughs> Perfect. Wade Miller, President and CEO of the Winnipeg Football Club. Happy holidays to you as well, sir. Thank you. It is 7.44, Mackling, McGarry, McNabb. That bomber store, by the way, to me, I I referenced Toad Hall as a dangerous place to go in because I require restraint. The bomber store might be the scariest store. Like, I love it, (laughs) but I might go in there looking for one thing, but I go, oh, I want to buy that. Oh, I want to buy that. I want this. How much is that? Yeah. I usually have to basically get in there and get out. Yes, you have to go in saying, like, if their goal is a sweater versus a shirt versus a scarf or whatever, go in for that thing. Like, wear blinders, you know, where you can't see around the corner. <laughs> I completely agree with you. And they've done <laughs> such a great job, not only with the new merchandise, but the retro logo and incorporating the retro logo from, from you know, my heart and soul days from the mid 80s and early 90s with the football and the W. And every time I turn around, they're releasing a new product with that logo on it. It's like, oh, there's not enough money 
There aren't enough hangers and drawers in my house to accommodate all this stuff. We're asking you for the best or worst note you've ever received or perhaps given. Well, how about, on top of best or worst, how about shocking? Gordon says, the evening of 9-11, I sent an email message of condolence and support to all of my American friends and colleagues. I received a short, chilling response, which in its entirety said, I was on United Flight 93, but I slept in. I still get chills when I recount this message. Seth MacFarlane, right? Similar situation? Yeah. Supposed to be on that same flight? Um, Yeah. You think about that day and and what was going on in in so many people's minds as as history unfolded on television sets around the world and in North America. And and Loren, I don't know. I, I don't remember where you were or what you were doing, but I know exactly where I was. And and I was in Boisevain, and of course, not too far away from the United States border, and then not too far away still, you know, all those nuclear missiles. And the thought uh, that, you know, that might be the start of, of a much larger conflict wasn't too far away from the minds of, of many people in that part, uh, you know, of the province. And, and I, know, I know my baby sister thought that's exactly what was happening. And uh, it was, what what a day. I phoned all my American friends that day as well, just to make sure that they were, you know, uh, either safely on the ground somewhere or at, or at home if they could be. It was, uh, boy, oh boy, day well, we'll your, never forget. Your first thought is the people you know often, right? Like you, beyond the holy expletive yeah. or whatever goes through your mind or the shock or the jaw drop is like, do I know somebody who could potentially be there? And then often what happens is you didn't imagine that a person might be there because you didn't know maybe their their whereabouts that day or that they're on a trip or what have you. And so I know it was a shock to a lot of people to learn that they did have connections that they didn't expect in all sorts of ways. But good on you to reach out. You know, I often think like particularly this time of year as, as people gather and get together for all sorts of reasons, whatever your um, desire might be. There's also people who don't, and we don't reach out enough, I think, too often because we don't know what to say, right? Like, you don't know how to say it or that you're just thinking of them. And it's not that you're just checking on the well-being of that person who might have been in and around New York on 9-11, Greg. It's that you're just checking in. Like, just check in. No doubt. It, I, I just, it, yeah. Just just have to say I'm thinking of you it, it, in any moment. And, and I know I... I I've done that in the last few months with everything that's been going on in the Middle East, reached out to people and there was, they seem overwhelmed with gratitude that people are, are thinking of them. And I think the reach out as we talk about cards and best notes you've ever left, Brett, doesn't hurt just to say, hey, how's it going? I think that's a great philosophy in life overall. Yeah. If you're thinking about somebody, just pick up the phone or send an email, send a text message and say, hey, just walking down Portage Avenue, uh, saw somebody in a Denver Broncos jacket. Uh, I got a buddy in Denver. Maybe I don't talk to him as often as I should. Just made me think of you. Good morning. Miss you. How often do you think shame prevents people from yep. reaching out? Is and, and not like not shame because of something that maybe happened, but just it, it's been a while since mm-hmm. I've reached out. And uh, the longer you let it go, the worse it gets. But the the longer you let it go, the makes it more awkward when you finally do pull the trigger and send and contact somebody. I think you hit that well. I think that has to be part of it for many of us. And it could be someone that you see regularly, but you haven't seen them enough. Or you were supposed to get together and it didn't work. Everybody has that on their list this time of year. Where, you know, you talk about how you mark your calendar, Brett, because you get so booked 
booked up in December. Yeah. And then you were supposed to reach out or I I was or someone else was or whoever it is in your circle. And then time goes on. And you think, man, we were supposed to get together X number of weeks, months, years ago, and it never happened. And I think I think that shame might be part of it or the guilt that comes with that. And you know it's going to feel good. And you know when you make the time, it'll make it'll be so good for you, not just for them, but for you. You'll walk away feeling good. But that that is hard to do that reach out after a certain number of days, weeks, years. I try to process it a little differently. It's a relationship. Two people involved. Yep. So you haven't spoken to each other. The other person hasn't reached out either. And so sometimes I think it's just critical just to, ah, it doesn't matter. I, I got to reach out to this person, let them know. Uh, one of my best friends, so good at calling me. He's one of the busiest people I know. And he checks in like once a week. I'm just from point A to point B at a few minutes. Got to check in on my boy. And it means the world to me. When I used to travel for work, my grandpa would check in on Jackie and the boys every single night. And it just takes no, it's nothing. It's such a gift just to, just to let somebody know that you're thinking of them. If they need anything, if I can help you, I will. In this busy, busy world, it's just, all too infrequent, I think. We take the time to do that. And I think we should do it a little bit more. This is a good time to reset the, those thoughts, I think. And another interesting thing that I'm just thinking about too, and I'm definitely guilty of this, is uh, I'll actually, I rarely get phone calls. So you'd think that when you get one, and that, from it? somebody that you know, right? That you, you, you look at your phone and you see the familiar name. So it's not a spam call of any sort. And, and you think, ah, I don't have time. I'm busy. I don't have time for this right now. Like surely you can stop for five, 10, 15 minutes, but I'm, I'll often be. <laughs> and if, if my buddy's listening right now, <laughs> I've already admitted this to him before, but if I, it, if I followed that up with, Oh, hey, I was in the other room. Sorry, what's... And I text him. So instead of calling him back, I will text him. Oh, hey, sorry, I was in the other room. What's up? Can't really talk right now, which is absolute BS. I just sometimes don't want to pick up my phone, which is stupid. That's my point. I'm stupid sometimes. Yeah, but sometimes isn't that um, just the factor of when we start our day? Could be. I'm not looking for an excuse here. I'm just trying to reason it out. I know that at certain parts of my day, I'm I'm like, I'm done. I don't want to talk to anybody because I've been talking all morning, whether it's been on the air or with you and with Loren to, to get the day organized and get things done. Like I, I, I'm exhausted from talking and I imagine that there are lots of people exhausted from listening to me talk. So who would want to talk to me <laughs> at this point in time, right? And so do you think that that ever plays into it, Loren? Like, do you ever ignore a phone call based on the fact, oh, there's a phone number, because, uh, you know, you just hit ignore. Well, you ignored my phone call yesterday twice. So, yes, I have been the victim <laughs> of that. I've been victimized by you not answering my phone calls and then not even acknowledging that I called. You could have just texted and said, I saw Take I missed your call. Take the hint, McCabe. No, we work together. Like it's, what if, like, it's important stuff. I know. We're supposed to be joined at the hip or um, at least electronically tethered for 24 hours a day. I know, I know. I'm I sorry. I think that's a big, I think, I think part of the problem, and I think this is a problem, and I'm 
for sure guilty of it is that it's easier to text. And so while that is nice to get the text or send the text of thinking of you, love you, how are you doing, hope you're well, hope your trip is great, send pictures, all those things. None of us are picking, physically picking up the phone enough to make that call. And I think we're losing out. And I'm also not answering some calls. And that's, you know, that that goes to be you're busy, you're in the car, you're in a store, you can't take the call, or you're at the end of your day and you're exhausted and you just think, I'll call them back tomorrow. And I, I think we're all guilty on that in both fronts. And I do think as nice as the text messages might be or the video, or I have a girlfriend who's constantly sending audio messages, like she records her what she wants to say to you because it's faster. But then you got to like listen to this three minute <laughs> audio thing and i think she's doing it on purpose sometimes like extra layers of detail but at least i'm hearing her voice and the storytelling is there more so than a text i think we're missing out by not hearing one another's voices yeah then, and you're uh, missing out greg because i had a good story idea yesterday oh, well. carry on brett <laughs> <laughs> that's actually a great point loren i always forget about that option the, that that you can actually record yourself and send a quick message that way. And I've had people do that uh, where I was having a pretty serious exchange with somebody. Neither of us were in a position to actually like phone each other, but uh, he finally just said, I'm just going to voice this rather than text it because it's easier for me to explain it that way. And yeah, it is nice getting that personal touch. So technology has made things a lot easier in many ways, but it's also sort of pushed us apart. So that's what the contest is about today. The notes you have received or given that are either good or bad. It is Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb on the subject of the notes that we give, the notes that we received. Henry Paul's weighing in. As we were leaving an arena in Japan, I gave a fan an autograph and gave her some pins. She, in return, gave me her hat. I said thank you, and as I walked away, I noticed tears coming down her cheeks. Never really spoke to one another. Back in Canada months later, my coach hands me an envelope. It had my name on it and Volleyball Canada. No address. This letter somehow found me, and it was from that fan in Japan. She described herself to me and basically said she wanted to spend the rest of her life with me. Oh, boy. Amazing what the criteria for attaining a spouse. I still have a letter, says Henry. That's a wacky interaction. (laughs) Well, I just responded to Henry's text message. I had a similar thing in when I lived in Vernon, working at Earl's in Vernon. I would have been in my mid-20s. And there was a family that came in once a week and they had a Japanese exchange student and they came and sat my, they always requested my section and a day or two before this young woman was going back to Japan, she tracked me down at the nightclub that I went to, to confess this affection for me and, and basically think she wanted to stay in Canada and was hoping that she could stay in Canada with me. It was very loud and I was very drunk, but that's how I remember this conversation Going down, it was, it was something else. Very flattering, I would have to say, overall. But one of those stories that I do not tell very often. So thanks, Henry, for drawing that memory. It's uh, wow. This sounds like a Hollywood film. Like they met an exchange student back at the Earls. No, it could have been, but that's not the way it went down. Okay, well, but Hallmark would have done much advances. better with this ending. 
Henry's ending not much better than mine. So we got to find a better ending. Somebody have a, a happy ending in circumstance like that? Somebody must. I'm trying to think. Nothing for me. <laughs> Pretty boring on that front. So I got nothing. We do have an update, though. We told the story earlier from listener Michael, who there was somebody parked in his spot because someone else was parking in their spot. Right. And when he left notes and confronted this person, they said, well, someone's parked in my spot, so I got to park somewhere. So you deal with it. It's your problem, not mine. So uh, Michael said he was consulted with the tow company. And uh, eventually he says, I did have her towed. But she just shouldn't have caused way too much stress afterwards. So sounds like the saga continued after that. But leaving those notes help. I've left notes for pig parkers. I left a note uh, for a pig parker in this in our in our parkade here. Was it therapeutic? Yeah, yeah, it felt pretty good because I was parked. Like I chose my spot in a way where like there was a gap. Between uh, me and the next car was one of those like just weird spots where the the lines are painted and there's a gap. So I parked and I parked as far over as I could in that spot. You were very methodical. You were purposeful in the way you parked in that spot to be considerate of others, but also to allow to make sure you could get in your car at the end of the day. Right. And then I come out and this person has pulled in on an angle like they parked in a way where it looked like they were running from the cops and just got out of their car and ran. (laughs) That's a great description. <laughs> so run, I could I could barely get in my car. I'm 6'4", 220-ish, uh, maybe 230, whatever. So it's not like I'm a small person. So I'm trying to, you know, squeeze into my Chevy Cruze. And uh, it was, I barely got in. But anyway, I thought, I'm going to leave this person a note. And I just, I can't even remember what I said, but it was essentially, you're a pig parker. Do better. I don't know. Never saw the car again, but it doesn't mean it's not there. They may have just Message chosen a different sent, spot. Hopefully processed. It did feel good, though. Appropriately. It felt good. So keep your notes coming for a chance to win those tickets for AEW. And listener Paul is saying uh, power's back on in Amber Trails, at least where Paul is. Uh, so hopefully that's the case. Feel free to let us know at 204-780-6868. <laughs> It is Mackling McGarry McNabb, inspired by a Souk BC woman who puts up a ton of Christmas lights, and one of her neighbors left her a nasty note. You can read more on this at globalnews.ca. We're asking you about the notes you have received, or perhaps given, be they good or bad. And of course, a lot of talk this morning on parking lots. Daryl, one of our runners-up for the AEW tickets. Greg, what does Daryl say? Regarding notes at parking lots, I have a standard truck and a lot of parking lots. The space between the lines, it's not big enough. So sometimes I have to take up two spots. I do park further out in lots when I can. I did once have a coloring picture left on my windshield with the note, this may help you stay in the lines. The wife and I had a good (laughs) chuckle. Yeah, those big trucks. <clears throat> I get it. It's uh, sometimes you you need them if you if you use it for work or whatever. Sure. But these these spots, like some of them, are too small for my compact sedan. Truly are. Can't imagine what it would be like trying to find a parking spot with a big truck. This is one from Brent is interesting because I would be kind of scared at first if I got this note. Brent says many years ago I took my dog. To, to get neutered at a spay and neuter clinic on Academy. When I came to pick him up, I parked close to the clinic and was partially blocking a receiving area. 
I had thought that the dog wasn't going to be feeling great, so I didn't want to make him walk far. When we came out of the clinic, we're walking up to the truck, and I noticed a note on my windshield, and I thought to myself, oh, great, somebody's complaining about my parking. I took the note off and read it. In great big chicken scratch lettering, it said, your dog has no boys, quote, unquote, you loser. Turns out it was one of my friends who had been driving by, recognized my truck, put two and two together, and left me a note. <laughs> That's pretty good. <laughs> and in, in the friend, that was a, a, a fun way of the friend reaching out, right? That's fair. It goes with theme. Sure. Uh, Loren, Russ, you pointed out, had a nice one as well. Well, we, t- it, we started this conversation talking about Christmas lights, so this uh, brings it back to that. Russ says, this is our first year doing a Christmas light show to music after many years of decorating. I received a note in my mailbox just the other night. It was a nice reminder over the holiday season on why we do it. Nice to see people enjoying the Christmas spirit. The note read, you guys did a great job. We spent the night looking at Christmas lights and these were by far the best. Well-timed and placed. Merry Christmas. That's so nice. That's another thing people probably don't do. You know, we're, we're quick to say, like, you know, give the customer feedback on something not being good versus mm-hmm. putting up your hand and saying, just, you know, like that food was great or your service was good or you did a great job handling that big lineup in the store or great Christmas lights. That's nice. I do that sometimes. I'll, you know, uh, with, when I order a pizza or order chicken or whatever I'm having and it, like typically I'll enjoy it. But if it really hits the spot, I'm like, wow, that was extra good. I'll pick up the phone and I'll call them and say, yeah, hi, uh, my name is Brett. I ordered the... Meat lovers with extra cheese and extra sauce uh, about a couple hours ago. And you can already hear it in their voice. They're like, (laughs) They're expecting something else. And he'll say, just want to let you know that's like the best pizza I've ever had. And then then there's a pause. Like they they can't figure out what's what's happening here. He's not not (laughs) complaining. He's complimenting. (laughs) That's a sad statement about how often people aren't complimented. I love to throw it a random, you know, I'm in the elevator, great shoes, like your dress, your hair, like your hair so shiny, people probably think it's creepy, but it, it generates more often than not a real pause. Oh, yes. Right? I because ask. they're wondering what else is coming. But I I usually want to know, like, where'd you get those shoes from? Those are fantastic. Like, I get that maybe asking a stranger what her skin care regime is probably, probably is not. Probably <laughs> creepy. Yes. But I am genuinely saying, man, you got great skin. Like, what's your, what's the secret? Like, I, I'll take tips from anyone. But people are funny with compliments. Oh, yeah. I often ask for a manager at a restaurant. And Jackie goes, you know what you just did to that server? <laughs> they think they've done something wrong. I said, well, they haven't. I just want to let the manager know that they've done an outstanding job. Yeah, but in the meantime, I'm like, oh, it's been 19 years. It's not changing. So, <laughs> but Why couldn't you say to the server, you've been great, or I really like the service. I would like to talk to your manager about my happiness versus that. Because she is right. You're sending that kid on a long walk back to the kitchen. Our winner today is Gary, who says, I received a Christmas card on my truck from a girl saying best wishes on the holidays and maybe you could take me for a ride on your snowmobile. She left her business card. I didn't really take note of the name, so I called her to thank her. To my shock, I found out it was my hot neighbor. (laughs) So we made a date. We went out. That was 33 years ago, and we are still yes. married. Yes, Gary. a boy, Gary. That well, story makes me so happy on so many levels. That's fantastic. Good for your wife for taking the initiative. Way to go, Gary. But right now, Mr. Greg Mackling, who has joined us in studio... 
Well, I'm just getting reacquainted with a couple of young men who I met this past summer at the Bronx Park Farmer's Market on Henderson Highway. I was out doing my voting in the provincial election. I guess I was voting in advance, the advance polls. And we have founders David Plumridge and Connor Wilgos. How did I do? You did pretty pretty good. Okay. Uh, They are the founders of Glass Jar Games joining us in the studio this morning. And I love the fact that you guys are doing this. It's Manitoba-centric. And we'll learn more about your games in just a few minutes. But, Connor, how did this all come to be? So, you know, David and I, uh, a long time ago, we met working at Across the Board Games Cafe. So, obviously, both of us, big love of games of all kinds. And uh, we would always pitch each other different ideas for games. Um, But, of course, we didn't have any resources to make any of those games. It was always just a big pipe dream. And we said, you know, one day, one day. And finally, about six, seven years later, that one day came and we said, hey, I think we could actually do this ourselves. Instead of uh, going the traditional route, we could just make these games by hand. And uh, since then, it's been a blur. Yeah. So we'll get into the, what the games are in a second, but I'm curious, Connor, like, at what point does this go from this is a side gig to a main gig, or is it a bit of both still? Like, When do you make the decision to go all in on a project like this? You know, at the start of the summer, we really didn't know if this uh, was going to take at all. We thought this would be very niche, only for people who really like other uh, games. And since starting this in the summer, it has just been nonstop. So it's very quickly transitioned. You know, I was working two jobs at the start of the summer. I'm now down to one shift a week and I'm just doing this almost full time because uh, especially with the holidays, we just can't, we make the game by hand. We can't even keep up with making the games physically ourselves. It's just been a blast, but it's a lot. All right. So David, I'm looking at the website, glassjargames.ca. Tell us about your games. Uh, Yeah. So we try to prioritize uh, very easy to learn games. I come from a large family, so I wanted games that could be taught very easily. So all of our games can get taught in under a minute. Um, We have a couple games that are very like trivia-esque. So we have a game called Imposters. We were trying to figure out which one is the odd one out of a category. Um, We also have a pressure to luck kind of uh, trivia game called That's Too High, where you don't even need to know the exact answer to win. Uh, And then we also have our general trivia mix collection, which is all about different subjects like Manitoba and hockey and Christmas. Now... You come from a decidedly different, like these are elementary games. Like you said, they're basic, easy to learn. They're, they're, they're card based, right? But you come from more of an advanced, a little bit different gaming background, don't you? Uh, yeah. So at the moment, I also uh, help design the games at Activate Games. Uh, and then I do have like a large uh, history of uh, board games as well, but like more of the heavier games as well. So talk about that. Talk about taking a concept whether it's a video game, whether it's uh, Activate, right? It's a combination video games. And if you've never done Activate, it's fantastic opportunity to, to get moving and to combine technology with that. Talk about that idea of taking a concept and then building it and then seeing it come to fruition. Yeah. So for me, it always starts with who your audience is, right? Like, I always want it to be for everybody. Everyone can come in, everyone can work together. Activate is that very cooperative experience. And so it's about learning, like, who am I building this for? Who am I excited for? Is it someone who's looking for puzzles? Is it someone who's looking for that really intense adrenaline? And so as you build it, you just always make sure you keep that in mind. And then when you actually get to see people experience it, it's about seeing their emotions. And it's not about 
your passion project, it's about the people who are playing your games and actually experiencing it. I'm trying to figure, David, was it you who talked about growing up in a big family? Uh, yes, I, uh, I have two brothers and two sisters. Yeah, so games can get intense in families, right? And the more rules there are, like I'm thinking of a Settlers of Catan scenario, which I still don't understand <laughs> as a board game. But, you know, the more more rules, the more intense they can get. Uh, are your games guaranteed to not cause any fights at the Christmas table is what I want to know. <laughs> So I would say that voices could get raised, but okay. I wouldn't say it has the same, uh, uh, not the same spoons element, you know, where um, hands can get grabbed instead of spoons, right? Oh, I've had someone fall off the table in a game of spoons just a couple of years ago. Yes. Okay. I just wanted to see where, where we're at with that because I'm, that's where you get feedback from too. Like what do your families think of what you've created here? Uh, so my families are really big into easy to learn games. So ones okay. that like... Uh, they really enjoy that it's just a really easy to pick up game. It's not a lot of rules. I could literally teach by um, playing. So they've been really like my family's really big into press your luck games. So and like social deduction games. So they really enjoy that they can all play simultaneously. Now, Connor, when it when it comes to the games and then the level of ease at which you've you've created them in order to teach them. Uh, I would say that's awesome because you've referenced across the board and I've been there a couple of times. And the first time we went, uh, the people I was with picked like these really complex games from Germany or I don't know where they were from. And the the person stood there for five minutes explaining it. And I kept asking him, sorry, what's this thing again? And at the end, I just had this dopey look on my face. I had no idea what I was doing and I didn't enjoy it. But the easiest ones, as you might think, oh, this is too easy. But that's often, to me at least, the most fun when you can both pick it up and play at uh, like a competitive level. Yeah, we find, uh, at least when we're making our games, we don't want the challenge to be learning the rules and remembering the rules, right? I think it's very easy when you're making something to have this uh, idea that you have to add and add and add. And I think a lot of games, you see that. There's rule, and then if this happens, and then if this happens, and now there's this other piece. And for us, it's it's almost the opposite. We want to take the idea that we have, that inspiration, we want to actually whittle it down. Okay, how do we make this simpler? How do we make this more intuitive, easier to understand? Because for us, when we play games, the enjoyment from the games comes from uh, the ease of playing and us, you know, finding creative ways to express ourselves through games, right? Tell stories through games. And so we just want to make it as easy as possible to jump right in so that people can make memories by just playing and having fun and focusing on that element as opposed to trying to stress about what they forgot, you know, about the rules eight, you know, 18 minutes into the game and then they feel like they're hooped, right? And then it becomes decidedly unenjoyable and then you're just looking for a reason not to ever play again, in my experience. So when I met you, the first thing that drew me to is just, you know, the energy that you guys portrayed when you're when you're out, you know, shilling these things. And I think it's fantastic. But it's all not only the energy and the games themselves, but it's the fact that they're Manitoba-centric. I love the support local, but you've really upped it with one of your games in particular. Yeah, absolutely. We have a Manitoba trivia game. So that one has just absolutely exploded in popularity. Um, people really, really have been drawn to it because I don't think anything else exists like it. And I think there's a lot of Manitobans with Manitoban pride and they want to express that and they want to share that with their friends, with their family. And so 
this game almost gives them that opportunity to not only show off what they know, but also, you know, learn new things and also just prove that, hey, we in Manitoba, we got some cool stuff going on and we've had some cool things here. Well, and I think does that generate then, David, some extended conversations? Like, because not only, like, if you're answering those trivia questions correctly, I suspect it's because of a memory and, and that that question in particular might have you know, a connection to you somehow. So is that part of the social experience as well? Uh, yeah, I'd say so. Because especially like you'll even hear a question and you might not even know the answer, but it just drives that curiosity, right? So, so many people, like we have questions about the Golden Boy, but also like landmarks that you might have passed along the way in Manitoba. So people are like, oh yeah, I know I've seen that somewhere. And where can I see that again, right? So. Looking at your website, and just looking at this uh, Manitoba trivia card game, glassjargames.ca. And uh, the, one of the questions that's featured in the picture, uh, what restaurant is said to have mistakenly invented Manitoba's iconic honey dill sauce? And the answer is Mitzi's. Is that true, Connor? Yeah. That's so not true? The, the story goes that uh, they at Mitzi's they were trying to make a sauce, and I think they were aiming to make a very specific oh. flavor of sauce. Uh, they ended up, you know, trying out a whole bunch of different recipes. And one of the recipes, I guess, was honey dill. And uh, it wasn't what I believe from what I've read. It wasn't what they were looking for, but it ended up being incredible. And now, you know, honey dill is now just one of those iconic Manitoba things. That's so funny because anybody from outside the province, you say honey dill to them and they you think you're just speaking gibberish. But we as Manitobans, we know that thing. And so it's really cool to see our game connecting people mm. based on little things like that, where it's like, hey, this is something that's so unique to our experience, our shared experience as Manitobans. And we can kind of share that around a table playing a game. Yeah, I, I heard I that no entire idea. question wrong, Brett. I thought you meant they were mistakenly identified rather than the mistake was in developing the sauce. Yes? Yeah. They, they, so they, 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 they apparently did make it, but they mistakenly it, made it. it. Uh, I had no idea. I always wondered, like, where did Honey Dill come from? So that's cool. So that, like, even as Manitobans, we're going to learn a lot about our province with playing that specific game. Exactly, yeah. And we hope that for all of our games. Uh, for Manitoba, obviously, Manitoba Trivia, you're going to learn about Manitoba, but we have some about Christmas. Um, and I played a ton of Christmas games, and it's always the same questions. We really tried to focus on new, inventive, creative things. Um, because to me, if you are if you don't know the answer, you should learn something interesting that you can take away and you can talk about. And so we really try to focus on that with all of our games, is finding really inventive and creative questions uh, that you're going to remember. And, and those create more memorable experiences for you to have with friends and family. And they're not that expensive either. Like, is it, is it, are they all just 20 bucks each? We try to keep them cheap. They're $20 each. We literally make every single one by hand. So we... Whoa, whoa, what do you mean by hand? So we design all the games ourselves. We then print them ourselves on our own printers. We cut them ourselves. So we started off with a hand crank machine, but that hand crank machine would literally swallow cards alive. So we switched right. to one that won't swallow cards anymore. Good plan. Um, we use uh, a cutting, uh, a, like a little cricket almost cutter to cut out the boxes. Then we literally pack the cards, fold them, and shrink wrap them ourselves with eco-friendly shrink wrap so it's literally from the first step to the last step it's all us there's no factory there's no print shop there's no nothing it's it's us so we really are trying to switch 
uh, how games are made as well. Because uh, I think both of us, when we started this, we didn't really want to try to go the traditional route of ordering tons of stuff overseas, right? Um, how do we make it here? How do we keep it local? And uh, I think, I hope when people uh, feel the games and they play the games, that they they see that work that has gone into it and uh, they can kind of uh, be inspired to support more local creators. I just want to make sure you're eating more than wiener water soup, though. We, uh, <laughs> honestly, I, I will tell you, my favorite food in the whole world is wiener water soup. Um, so <laughs> if, if I ever branch out from it, it yes. will not be out of uh, necessity. Uh, yeah, it, uh, yeah, for sure. I, I love it. I love this. Okay, so how do we get our hands on these games? We got we've, we're over time here, but you guys have been fantastic. Uh, how, how, do, how do we get these, David? Uh, so you can order online on glassdraggames.ca. Uh, we also are at the downtown square farmer's market this Thursday, as well as the St. Norbert farmer's market on Saturday. Um, but online, you'll be able to order it all year round. All right, David and Connor from Glass Jar Games joining us live on 680 CJOB. Gentlemen, thanks for coming in. Pleasure to meet you both. Thank you so much for having us. Thank you. And look again, go to their website, glassjargames.ca. These games look fun.